0: You should separate staging and production environment very, very carefully. (laughs) That's obvious. What happened then is we sent out a test picture of two dogs to every user that was in our system. Every user received a push notification on their phone with a picture of the two dogs saying hi and test. That was a huge, huge screw up. And we had to inform all of our customers. And really, until today, it's an emoji in Slack, and it's still an anecdote everybody knows. But the question is always when a severe bug is happening, who let the dogs out? Hi, I'm Mike Sanders, CEO and co founder at Spectrum.
1: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lapart and today how Max Kozilek built the best marketing automation platform that's based on one-on-one conversations. All this and more on Code Story. Max Kozilek comes from a simple background. His single mother raised he and his twin brother outside of Berlin with no connection to technology. When he was introduced to tech, he was really only interested as far as the games he could play. He was into sports, martial arts, and even politics, believe it or not. He studied law and realized that as the world was changing towards being wrapped up in tech, he should come back to the industry. Nowadays, he is back into martial arts as well, and he notices, and supports, the trend of tech and martial arts being correlated. In the past, Max noticed that he was getting a ton of good content from his friends on the chat apps he used. He paired up with his co-founder to explore fixing journalism and distribute valuable content to users through WhatsApp. This is the creation story of Spectrum.
0: Spectrum is a conversational marketing automation platform. That's a bit of a mouthful, but in plain English, that means we help large companies to use WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Instagram DMs, or Google Business Messages for their marketing, which is essential to do in this rapidly changing environment in which we are in, where Apple changed the rules of the game with focusing on on privacy. So a lot of the stuff that marketers did for the last five, six, seven years, not working anymore. And we're helping them with this new, extremely popular channels to do marketing like we should We should do that in 2022. You know, from politics, it's not far to journalism. And I felt we had a problem with journalism because we're back in the days, we're just you know, reading BuzzFeed and cat content on, on Facebook rather than reading the in, insightful stories we, we should read in order to understand the world. And where's the place where I read the best content? On WhatsApp, because that's where my friends are sending me the stuff they, they like, they find insightful. And I got a ton of content there. So I decided with my good friend Jendrik to explore this opportunity a bit more. And we thought, let's fix journalism. That was initially our very, very ambitious, ambitious goal. And distribute the content, the really valuable content, over WhatsApp directly to uh, to the user. So they, there's no algorithm in between. Um, there's no gatekeeper. Just do it directly. That was our. That's how we started. We found another, our third co-founder, and with him, that's the story. We we had to hack WhatsApp in order to get started because WhatsApp policies were not allowing any business to operate on their platform. So what we did is we had to hack it a bit, um, to order to make this work, to build the MVP. That's how we really got started as the three of us hacking WhatsApp, distributing journalism. And that's just the journey they started.
1: Let's dive into that MVP. So tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take you to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: I think we got very much inspired by the Y Combinator mantra to build stuff that doesn't scale. And what we did is really, we had three important components for our service back then. It was the connection to WhatsApp, it was the sending architecture, and it was somehow you, knew you need to know what kind of content you send out. The first part is, is, is something initially we found stuff on stack overflow which we could copy and paste together and find our way into whatsapp there was a there was a way how we could explore their api there the second one was basically sending uh, infrastructure we had to you know code ourselves and the third thing was really google alerts which then came into our inbox And initially we just did it very manually, then we half automated that to get the content into WhatsApp. And that was really how we, that was the first MVP, how we tested if people actually like to receive content on WhatsApp.
1: Walk me through some of the decisions and trade-offs you had to make in building your MVP around, you know, feature cut or tech depth. I hear that you're, you know, you're focusing on, on WhatsApp in the beginning, but tell me about those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how you cope with them.
0: Initially, before we thought about this, we're going to build a platform which connects the author and the and the user together. But we, we realized that WhatsApp is probably the easiest way to do this because you don't, you don't have to build an app or anything like that. So we thought about a lot of different things, but WhatsApp was the, the channel that was very, very easy to use back in the days and works with links, it works with text, it works with images. Everything is already there. So our focus for this MVP was the smallest possible thing we could build to test that if people really would like to receive content there. And the trade-offs we had were a lot, because we really only built one thing, right? We only built this little bit of sending infrastructure. The Connection to WhatsApp was Stack Overflow, that we had to rework this later on, but this was really just copy-paste stuff and change it a bit so it works from Stack Overflow. And the other part was basically manual, to say, to get the content in there, which meant, by the way, that we had then, at some point, so many subscribers on our services that even on New Year's Eve, I had to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning and start to curate all the different things because so much came in overnight in order to ship it out. That was really, really tough because we said, but we will do the things because we know it's not a scalable solution, of course not, but the effort to automate that is so high. So let's do it manual until we know what our product will look like in the end. And as you can see from what I described, what we're doing today, it changed tremendously down the road.
1: That's a perfect segue into my next question. So you got your MVP, it's working, you're getting some traction. How have you progressed and matured the product from there? And I think to wrap that question in a box, I'm interested in how you built your roadmap and how you decided, okay, this is the next most important thing to build.
0: With Spectrum, we have a little bit of a um, not a unique, but a not so typical situation for a SaaS company. So most SaaS companies just sell directly to their customer. That's it, right? I don't know. An accounting solution that's that's very very easy because you just have one customer. Um, if they're happy, if they like it, if that's helping them with their workflows, you're you're done. The thing what we have is our customers like Ford or Groupon or Zalando or others are using this to engage their customers. So in a sense, it's B2B2C. So they're using that for their customers. That means whenever we develop a product, whenever we create the next iteration, we always have to keep the end user in mind. So what is here a good experience? What is here, What will they appreciate this? Is that how solving their problem? And only if we build with that in mind, our customers are happy with our solution because it's solving their problem of engaging their customers on the channel they like. I think that's the that's a little bit of a special scenery we have. But with that, you build and iterate a product in a very, very different way because you have to assess how an end user you don't know and you don't have a lot of interaction with is going to use these channels but we mastered that and with that we created a, a motto for us and which we always told which we always tell all, all our customers saying we will never launch a bad experience with you that's what we guarantee of course you bought the product you bought a SaaS solution but we we will never launch something back with you and this i think is defined how we develop the product further but it's also defining you asked about the roadmap how we build the roadmap, right? To say if we say Instagram is more important than ever and you want to create a great experience here, people reacting to a brand story with a fire emoji. Can we make something happen? Here? Can we make something creative here that is really triggering a conversation with the brand that is delightful for the user, and maybe they even buy something from the brand after that. I think this is how we think about this, and this is how we build our uh, product and roadmap further.
1: So then let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you?
0: In the beginning, it was just everybody that we were very inexperienced Jendrik and I my Yenrik is my co-founder we just did that right after university so we had no big manager experience or something like this how to how to hire so at the beginning we just recruited friends to to join us which turned out to be a very very good thing to do I know it can be dangerous a lot of them are still here after many many years and with everybody we worked very very closely very very in a, in a, tremendous way to to together um so we recruited friends that was the first thing we did i think that was a great foundation and after that i think i cannot emphasize enough how much how important it is to spend a ton of time as a founder on hiring especially in the early days it feels counterintuitive because it feels like you're just wasting wasting your time and you should fill the role and that's all what counts and only if you fill a role you will make progress and it's the opposite it's the opposite we were most of the time that careful but of course we made also ton of mistakes i think my number one indicator of a good hire and that's also what we still look out for is time to get running you have people that you know onboarding they need the first month they need the second month oh yeah i'm still onboarding and you know things take time and so on and you have people that, you know, on the second day, they are up and running and do the job. And on months two, you see that they're doing more than you expected from them to do. And then, you know, you hired the right person. And I think that's, for me, the number one indicator if you hired the right person.
1: Let's flip to scalability. And you mentioned a few things earlier about doing things not scalable. So I'm, I'm interested in where you'll take this, but Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or are you fighting this as you grow and gain traction?
0: I would love to say that we built it from the beginning in a way that it could scale. We didn't, and there are really growing pains with that because our customers out of a sudden are scaling a lot. We we see a lot of growth, and especially with, as we're building on top of these other platforms, WhatsApp, Instagram, DMs, and so on. These are evolving platforms. So Meta is a tremendous company and they pushing out new things at high speed. And so you have to adjust constantly in order to keep up. On top of that, you have growing customers that get more and more and more users. So we had to fight some hard uh, fights and do a lot of, a lot of scalability work uh, in order to make this work. So they were was a time for way before 18 months there was not a single customer facing release in order to to make that work. I mean we're past we're past that, but we didn't have really the foresight I would say to to build a scalable product from the beginning because the use cases were unclear. We had we had different industries, different use cases and so on. It was very hard to first see. But I think once you mature and you really find product market fit, that is that is changing. But I would say in general, in general, focusing on scalability is something you should do after you find product market fit and then do it rigorously.
1: So, Max, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: I think the one thing that comes really first to mind is having people that build together with shared values. Um, that sounds a bit abstract, but for me that's coming and seeing the team and especially in a remote world, I'm sometimes you know, sometimes forget how the team has evolved, what kind of different people are there. But seeing how many people get so so well along and are so interested, focused on what they're building, that is the biggest satisfaction for me. That's really when I'm when I'm proud.
1: Well let's flip the script a little bit. So, tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: So, you should separate staging and production environment very, very uh, carefully. <laughs> That's obvious. But sometimes, uh, you know, there are a compromise here and a compromise there. And what happened then is we sent out a test picture of two dogs to every user that was in our system. And every user received a push notification on their phone with a picture of the two dogs saying hi and test. That was a huge, huge screw up. Uh, And we had to inform all of our customers and ask for apology because that happened. And it was because we did our testing and our staging and production properly, but that was a, big 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 bummer for for us and and really until today it's uh it's an emoji in slack and it's still an anecdote everybody knows but the question is always when a severe buck is happening who let the dogs out <laughs> and that is still until today it's barely again there's an emoji in there in slack which shows these two dogs they are still very very present for us here to never never do that again
1: Okay, Max, what does the future look like for the product and for your team?
0: I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but uh, it's it's definitely true for us. It's really still day one. The consumer behaviors, especially if you compare that with Asia or other parts, the switch to messaging and using messaging apps to communicate with businesses we're just, it's really just the beginning. And there's so much to do, so much to build for us to make this seamless for the user, to get information from a business, to buy something from a business, right? to have integrated payments and all those kind of things. In right in WhatsApp or right in, in Messenger, I think here we are just at the beginning. So there's, from our side, there's still a ton to do. And, but we will focus on that exactly the same way as we did it in the past, and I was saying, our customers are big enterprise brands, but we will always focus on building a very, very good end user experience on these platforms for all kinds of different use cases. So there's still a lot to do, and we're just just getting started.
1: So who influences the way that you work? Tell me someone or multiple people or something you look up to and why.
0: I I look up to, a lot of people because that's also how i was raised you know it's it's really easy to start here at spectrum where um i look up a lot to to my my co-founder because seeing him evolving so quickly with all the different necessities and requirements that come with uh, a growing company is always great motivation for me to do the same and i always ask myself do i grow with a company where I'm falling behind, how I can how I can do more, how I can learn more. With regards to um, different aspects, I would say there's always, I, I don't have this, you know, there's one hero or that's this one role model I, I have, i always looking for different aspects, different uh, traits that this person has, um, where I try to get, become more like them and be more inspired like them. and. I think even on also, that's not only real life people, but it's also people on on Twitter. Some people building in public, and I'm so impressed on how diligently they figure out product market fit. I'm super excited by by that, and they don't know me, but I know them, and I got uh, influenced a lot by, by them, I learned a lot from them by just listening to their advice and how they're doing this. I mean, another example would be, or a concrete example would be probably the founder of Sastra, uh Jason Lemkin. He shared so much, I, I learned so much from him. He, he doesn't know me, but I learned probably, you know, half of what I know about Sasa I learned from him. Uh, so thank you thank you for that. So these are the these, uh, people I also look up to.
1: So we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach
0: there are um many many different things i would do differently today especially when it comes to uh it comes to speed i think the biggest or the number one thing i would do differently is that at the beginning especially if you're intellectual intellectually curious you want to figure out a lot of stuff by yourself. And you also get a ton of positive feedback for the stuff you figured out as a, as an entrepreneur that just is getting started. The problem with that is you have to change the behavior very, very quickly and focus on the unique things you have to figure out about the business and the rest you just have to go and standardize and do the same way as anybody else. You don't have to figure out a fancy new uh, remote work policy. You don't have to figure out a new cool way how to onboard customers. And all those kind of things with, where I have the tendency to start from first principles and really build step by step by step by step. No, don't do not do it. Go for the standardized way. It's good enough and focus on the stuff where you can really uniquely add value and do just this. And I think we spend too much time of, on on, you know, thinking about every little process from first principles and go through that, rather than just executing and getting it done, we would have been much faster without that. And I, if I would go back and change one thing, that would be it.
1: Well, last question, Max. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person? Having gone down this road a bit,
0: my advice would be treat time seriously. And uh, what I do I mean by that is, I mean two things. On the one hand, time is your biggest enemy. Everything is everything is falling apart over time. Everything motivation. If you you hire a great engineer over time, they get bored. A deal, right? So if you want to raise your first fundraising or, or or something like this. If it takes too long it won't it won't it won't happen. That's just how it, how things are. Every day you come to work make the most out of you. prioritize rigorously in order to make the most out of your time. That's the f- first thing. But the other piece is also is a lot of things will get better over time. A lot of things will you know, if you do things wrongly things will heal and sometimes time also works in your advantage. And you have to be very, very clear when this is the case. Time is your enemy, but sometimes it works in the advantage. Just be very, very deliberate on how you focus on time. Without urgency, everything falls apart. And focusing on that, that urgency, even if you grow uh, the business, I think that's my number one advice. Treat time really, really deliberately.
1: I think that's fantastic advice. Well, Max, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Spectrum.
0: It was a pleasure, Noah. Thank you very much for having me.
1: And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month.